Well, thanks, Camilla, and good morning, Oceanside. It's great to be bringing you the word this morning. But before we get into the scriptures for today, I was just reminded this week in preparing of a podcast that I got listening to about six months ago in the lead up to Christmas, before coronavirus was even on the radar. I got listening to this amazing podcast from CBC Radio. It was only five episodes long, but it captivated me in a way only really a good podcast can do. It was from a journalist and meteorologist, Joanna Wagstaff, and it was called Fault Lines. I didn't know this before moving to Vancouver Island, but as I started living here, I started hearing every now and again about people talking about what was called the big one. It turns out, as you all know here on the island, but we live directly above two big tectonic plates and where they meet. And that big one refers to a massive shifting of these plates It takes place every 200 to maybe 800 years where a massive Category 9 earthquake hits our region. And apparently, that's a big deal. I didn't grow up anywhere near an earthquake zone, so all I knew was from movies and a long-forgotten geography class. The Fault Line podcast takes you through episode by episode from the initial hit of the earthquake to what life would look like in the weeks and months in the aftermath. A truly horrific and fascinating glimpse into what could happen here in our or our children's lifetime here. I've been thinking about that podcast a lot recently, and that's really because it's easily to draw parallels between the big one and the current shaking our world is under in the path and wake of coronavirus. Between the feelings of helplessness and a completely unknown future, there's a lot to worry about. But the main thing I've been thinking about in relating these two events together is exposure. You see, when the big one hits, if it hits in our lifetime, it's going to test and expose everything. It's going to expose the buildings we've built well, the buildings we've built not so well, the emergency plans that were in place, if they're good enough, down to us as individuals, it's going to expose our readiness, our preparedness, and our ability to hold it together in the aftermath. And this has been in my mind because there's a parallel between a shaking coming either physically or in other ways in our lives and those deep tremors that expose the equality of what's been built and also what those tremors bring up which lays beneath, deep beneath the surface. I believe that in these days, we're undergoing a very real shaking, as I'm sure you'll agree, and that as we shake ourselves, we're being exposed in all sorts of different ways. We're now nine weeks into BC's social distancing guidelines, nine weeks into our businesses being shut down, nine weeks into our families being home with us 24-7 in a small space, or perhaps you live alone and it's been nine weeks of isolation. Or maybe as well, it's been nine weeks since your last proper paycheck or since you've seen your friends. Each one of us is experiencing differing pressure from each one of those things. But undoubtedly, in this moment, we're all experiencing pressure. And just like what an earthquake or any other troll that will stress, that will pressure us, that shaking will expose our emotions, our shortcomings, our hidden thoughts, the inner man or the inner woman. And as I've talked with people in our community, friends, family, our neighbors in our street, you can see it written across everyone's face. Everyone's going through stuff. 
In these past nine weeks, I've recognized things in my own life coming up to the surface, in mine and Camilla's relationship, even in my parenting, important things, feelings, shortcomings that I've recognized and that have reared their ugly faces. And in this current mix of stress and worries paired with more downtime and less distractions, I think you might agree that this has been an emotionally exposing time as individuals, but also in our relationships with one another as well. The question for us today is in all of this, in all that God is exposing within us deep inside, what is God doing? God, if you work all things for your good and for the benefit of those who love you, what are you doing here? In John 15, Jesus speaks to his disciple and he talks about pruning. He says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Now, I'm not a gardener, but the process of pruning or cutting off branches of a vine doesn't sound like a nice or easy process to me. In fact, it sounds like to me that there might be some discomfort involved. The word I have for us today, Oceanside, is that those things that are stressing you out right now that fight that you're having with your spouse, that fuse that seems to be getting shorter and shorter with each passing day right now, possibly. The word I have is that God wants to move in those areas. God wants to reconcile. He wants to renew. He wants to rip out and uproot crumbling foundations. And I think he wants to build again where you and I have become weak. What has been exposed is our weaknesses. In these days, God wants to prune that branch of your life and build again and for it to instead grow into a strength if we will let him. Some of this truth is given to us by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll read it from verse 9. It says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Personal weaknesses, when identified and given to God, become an opportunity for him to move powerfully. Church, can we be excited in our weaknesses today? I'm actually excited for those things that God has exposed in my life in these days because it says in those two places of scripture from John and from 2 Corinthians that he wants to move in power and he wants to produce fruit through those things. If we take what the flesh, when left to its own devices, will use for evil and instead proactively work it through and give it to God, there's nothing that can stand in our way. But we need to be proactive in this to live a life set apart under God. As Christians, we are to deal with that inner old man, that old self, our inner inner and relational conflicts completely differently than the world would. Our main scripture for today is going to be from Ephesians 4 onwards. I'll start reading in verse 17. It says, Now this I say and testify that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds, 
They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The first thing we see in the scripture is an outline of what our default human mindset is without Christ. Without Jesus penetrating every area of our mind, this scripture says that our minds can be darkened and alienated from God, that we can become hard-hearted in areas, and through that build up calluses that then give up ourselves into sensuality and impurity. That may sound drastic, but those uncomfortable areas in our hearts and minds that need attention from God right now that we talked about earlier all start out with a little darkness, with a little alienation. Our minds left without renewal will start to harbor those fallen aspects which press to the surface under the strain and difficulty which is happening around us today. Happily, the writer of Ephesians says that it is not the way for us who follow Christ. Again, he reminds us to put off our old self and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. If this message is highlighting difficult things for you today, I want to encourage you to read from where we started in Ephesians 4.17 on to the end of and through the end of the book. I want to encourage you to read from where we started in Ephesians 4.17 on to the end of the letter. In a short read over two and a half chapters, you'll find God's roadmap for renewal with both physical actions we should take and spiritual practices as well. Within there is a long list of physical things we need to choose to do, like putting away falsehood, not letting the sun go down on our anger, to be kind to one another, to imitate Christ and walk in love, to strive for sexual purity, not to be foolish or drunk, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit and to understand the will of God. There's whole sections in there about husbands and wives and how they relate to one another and how we can practically walk out our relationships together. There's parts in there about children and parents as well, even employees and employers. And throughout it, it implores us to be imitators of God and to walk in love as Christ loved us. And towards the end there, there's a section that you really might be familiar with if you grew up in Sunday school. It talks about putting on the whole armor of God. It's great for Sunday school kids because it's one of those classes where the teacher will actually let you make a sword, a shield, and a helmet, and prepare for battle with your friends. Okay, maybe not that last part, but it's a really memorable class, and I certainly loved it as well. But the truth is, Paul didn't include this paragraph, this scripture, at the summit of his letter to the Ephesians so that kids aged 5 to 12 would have an awesome craft to do once in a while. No, God divinely placed it there because this is what we need to put on, children and adults alike. So let's read Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit, with prayer and supplication. That's an amazing section of scripture. And while it applies most specifically how Christians are to go into the battlefield in power to fight those external forces, there's no denying that these six things, when put on, help tremendously with our inner self, our inner thoughts, our heart and our mind. Indeed, that putting on the new self that Paul talks about in chapter four, two chapters earlier, Well, this is the stuff that protects and upholds that. We need to live in the truth and put that truth on daily. We need to put on righteousness daily. We need to be ready with the gospel and with firm faith, with a knowledge of our salvation and with the Holy Spirit to go forward. When you're building a house here in BC, you have to follow that code set out legally by our government so that when the big one comes, hopefully the building will stand. Well, this is our code. If you've been shaken, if cracks have appeared in your foundation, if you're irritable and angry, perhaps the armor of God hasn't been put on as much as it used to be. You need to cut and prune that thing, that root of bitterness that might be growing, and start building again with the whole armor of God on. If you're up to code, you'll withstand the shaking. Lastly, I want to say this. Prepare for fruit. Heading back to John 15, to Jesus speaking with his disciples, he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. With God's pruning, with us going through that process, even though it's difficult, God's going to produce more fruit. We're in strange days today. But I know that God is on the move. We've been under pressure and living in the aftershocks of COVID-19. And those are going to continue for a long time. Under that pressure and shaking, you might feel like you're falling over. You might feel like there's huge cracks in your foundation. Your emotions, those inner tensions within you might really be bubbling to the surface right now. But I believe that God wants to make his power perfect in your weakness. Jesus wants to cut off that weaker branch so that he can produce a thick, healthy, weight-bearing branch in its place. The question is, will you let him do that? I'm excited for the fruit that will come in the aftermath of coronavirus. We don't know what it is yet for individuals and for the church, but we know that God is building new strength, new vision, new priorities through the discomfort that's happening right now. Church, trust and let him work those things for good. 
If you're wanting a simple prayer right now, if your tank is empty, and if your engine's running on fumes because of that old self, I'd invite you to read Psalm 51 again. From verse 10, it says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast not me away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Listen to this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. At our lowest points, we can simply ask God to give us a willing spirit again, to bring back that joy, his felt presence, renewal, and a righteous heart. Reach out to God this week. I'd encourage you, if you're having difficult times, if there's things bubbling up inside of you this week or these past nine weeks, if there's tension in your relationships, if you're having trouble parenting, go read from Ephesians 4 onwards and start meditating on God and praying God that simple prayer. Lord, renew that joy to me. It's been a pleasure being with you here this morning, Oceanside. We can't wait to see each other again soon. Be blessed.